I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. And welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This week, we reflect on the EHRC report into anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. Myself, Frankie Grant, and Nathan Yell, the Director of Progress, spoke to Michael Rubin and Dina Ryaness about the report. As the Labour Party need to release their plan on how the report is going to be implemented by the 10th of December, we thought that it is of vital importance to hear from Jewish members who have been impacted directly by anti-Semitism in the party. In writing an action plan, we hope that the Labour Party really listen to voices like Michael and Dina. Michael Rubin is the Director of Labour Friends of Israel, and Dina Ryaness is a teacher, councillor in Stockport, Greater Manchester, and chair of the Northwest branch of the Jewish Labour Movement. I start by asking them to tell us a bit more about themselves and their roles. Um, Michael, as a director of LFI, can you just explain to our listeners a little bit more about LFI, what you do, um, and how you sort of work with Jewish communities? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Labour Friends of Israel is the, the pro-Israel voice uh, within the Labour Party. Um, we support a two-state solution and we work with uh, Labour Party members, primarily in Parliament, um, to, to make the case for uh, Israel, for two-state solution, and for kind of balance in uh, Labour's policy towards the Middle East. So we you know, organise events in Parliament. Uh, and one of the main things we do is organise delegations over to Israel and the Palestinian territories to enable Labour parliamentarians to kind of find out a bit more and see the situation for themselves. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Michael. Dina, moving over over to you. Could you tell us who you are and introduce yourself to the audience, please? So I'm a councillor in Stockport. Uh, it's one of the 10 metropolitan boroughs in Greater Manchester, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and I also chair the Northwest branch of the Jewish Labour Movement. Just moving on um, from that, Dina. Um, so with JLM in the Northwest, what have you? What have, what, what do you sort of do on a, on a day-to-day basis with JLM and what have you done in response to the report being published? Well, the, the majority of our members um, are, um, are are based in and around London. We do have um, um, we, we do have quite a few members up here in the northwest. Um, so most of our activities are organised centrally. We have um, we you know we, we do hold branch meetings. We keep in touch with our members. We you know before lockdown we were able to have socials as well. Um, 
and I would say really because the northwest includes Man- Greater Manchester but also Liverpool and a few other places as well um Liverpool's been very difficult for us um just because most of um most of our members are based around Manchester our committee's based around Manchester and also there've been quite a few problems with anti-semitism in the Labour Party around Liverpool um we do have some members there though um we've had quite a few people reaching out to us since the report was published but also when when the, the publication was imminent um uh, people from around the northwest wanting to work with us in some capacity they want anti-semitism training jlm's not providing that at the moment but um they want to engage with us in some way they want to learn more um they want their members to learn more so we are working with um, some labor groups and also some clps around the northwest on that what, what do you think the response of the report was within the community in the northwest? Um, I would say very mixed, actually. If so, so um, first of all, talking about the um, Jewish community in the northwest, I was I would say that um, you know I'm based in Stockport, which is in South Manchester, and actually when we talk about the Jewish community in Manchester, most of it is based in North Manchester. I don't live there. Um, I, um, you know, I have done some campaigning there. Um, it was very, very tense. Um, I lost, well, I did campaign, um, last year, but, um, I remember around the time of the local elections in 2019, it was, I was shouted off the doorstep. People were very, very, very angry. Um, there, the community in South Manchester, around where I live, there are a couple of areas where there are, um, small Jewish communities, um, but you know, I'm I'm a councillor in Stockport. There are areas of Stockport where there are very few Jews or or no Jews. And so there'll be many people who haven't um, met another Jewish person. And perceptions are very different there. Um, When I've been campaigning locally, I've had um, people in my own area, the odd Jewish person who's just said, look, you know, um, I... Um, I, I, I voted for Jeremy Corbyn, but I'm really, really concerned now about the levels of anti-Semitism in the party and I just can't vote. It was a very different story in, um, I just can't vote for the Labour Party. It was a very different story in North Manchester. There was, there was a much bigger community there and there, they were a lot more scared and they were a lot more hostile. Um, since the report has come out, um, I, I think among the Jewish community, there's a strong sense of vindication. Look, you know, we said that there was a problem. This report demonstrates that that that, that there was a problem. You know, it's there in black and white. So people feel, feel vindicated, but 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 they're still very very cautious. I think people are waiting to see what is going to happen next. Um, and it's, you know, it's a it's a long road back to rebuild that trust. Um, you know, if you want to know what's the reaction been among the kind of community in in, in general, I would say, you know, among the Labour Party, um, the Labour community, I would say it's been very mixed. Um, there's been, um, there has been some um, a lot of support. There have also been people who've been silent on it. Um, whether that's because they don't want to speak out or they still somehow see it as a factional issue, I don't know. Um, and then there have also pe- been people who've been in denial about it. Um, still. So mixed reactions. If I could just jump in there, Dina, before I before I come to you, Michael, and, and, and row back a second. It's interesting that you, you made a point there of explicitly stating that Liverpool has been a problem up in the in the northwest. Could you just talk us through that a bit? Because I think some of our listeners might be surprised that there's been such a concentration of um 
potentially anti-Semitic behaviour in, in, in one place? Well, you know, first first of all, you know, there were, there were two um, 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 Jewish female MPs who represented constituencies in Liverpool who were basically hounded out of the party, Louise Armour and Luciana Berger. And um, um, it, they, it, it, it was made very, very difficult for them. There was a lot of hostility locally. But we also know from some of our members who've come to our meetings from, from Liverpool who've just said, look, you know, um, we, we've, we've got a problem. Um, and um, we we don't know what to do about it. It was very hard for us to reach out. You know, I think by the time that JLM had stopped um, carrying out the training, there was you know there wasn't really an opportunity for us to go and deliver training. I'm not quite sure how it would have been met anyway, because there were some CLPs who wouldn't um, who wouldn't meet with us. I mean, there was one CLP here locally to me that when I wanted to come and give the training, the chair said, "Well, I wouldn't want you to be thrown to the wolves." Um, and then they kind of came back to me and said, well, well, why don't we get you and we'll get somebody from Jewish Voice for Labour, um, which is a group, um, a fringe group within the Labour Party that was set up around, I think, 2017, um, from what I can see, mainly to deny anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. And I said, well, no, this is not a debate. <laughs> you know, this is a training on anti-Semitism. I'm not I'm, I'm not getting into that. So I, I, the, we would have had the same difficulty in some of those areas in Liverpool. But actually, there was never there, there weren't many people to reach out to um and um um by the time i took over there was a lot of jewish members had left or didn't want to speak out or just felt that it was a hostile place um, clp meetings branch meetings were hostile places to go and they felt very isolated thanks for that i think what's been interesting i in in, in being involved with this um along with some of you guys the past couple of years that yes we had the problem with anti-semitism coming in the denial of it but there's also been an issue in some local parties um regarding an, an absence of duty of care um to local jewish members and you're right i think a lot of people have just stuck their stuck their heads in the sand michael i mean turning to you uh, and I'll, I'll just clarify here for everyone here that Michael and I were comrades in Vauxhall uh, for the past couple of years. So we do have somewhat shared experiences on this. Could you just talk us through actually how the anti-Semitism crisis um, hit you as a local member in Vauxhall first and just talk you through how in a very different part of the world where we do not have a massive, uh, obvious Jewish community in, in Lambeth. Um, could you talk us through how the last couple of years have played out for you as a, as a local activist? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, as, as kind of Dina said, it's there, there's been certain areas of the country where it has been particularly bad, you know, Mer Merseyside, um, you know, with a kind of history of, of militant and a kind of lo local politics, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been particularly toxic for Jewish members and, and also, you know, some London constituencies as, as well have, have been really, really terrible. I mean, I, I don't know what you think, Nathan. I, I think on the whole in, in Vox, I, I, I feel like I've, I've been kind of very well supported as a as a Jewish member, you know, there's, there's been a few incidents during CLP meetings over the years, you know, when I've kind of brought uh, forward motions, you know, kind of asking the CLP to stand in solidarity with the Jewish community or to, you know, condemn a, an act of anti-Semitism, you know, it's, it's kind of been overwhelmingly passed, you know, it hasn't, hasn't been, they weren't always passed uh, unanimously and, you know, but there were some voices who, you know, stood up to oppose it and, you know, kind of raised some of the, the things that, uh, you know, Jewish Voice for Labour and, some of these other kind of fringe groups that were set up to, to deny anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, you know, they, they kind of raised uh, their, their kind of arguments. But 
on the whole, I, I think the local party supported me. So I, I kind of recognise that my, my sort of experience with locally over the last few years, I've, I've, I've been reasonably fortunate. And, you know, I know the, the experience of most Jewish members has, has unfortunately not been so fortunate. And, yes, especially in cities like Liverpool, where it's just the, the toxicity has, has was just, you know, absolutely terrible. And I think also particularly there, there's an element of misogyny to it as well. I think the, the abuse of Jewish women, you know, the, the, the Jewish women MPs and, and Jewish uh, Labour members, you know, Jewish women Labour members, we, we abuse they receive seem to be so much worse. So, um, yeah, I mean, it obviously hasn't been it hasn't been an easy few years on on kind of any level, but locally at least, I I, I feel I've I've been relatively fortunate. I think reflecting on that briefly, um, I think you're broadly correct. I think like like many CLPs, we had some definitely had some touch points of in definitely yeah. 16 and 17 where this seemed to keep on coming back again and again and I think one or two votes went in the direction but I think what I found encouraging if anything if anything in the past couple of years was encouraging was how this debate on anti-semitism which became polarizing which certain people uh, who were supportive of Jeremy Corbyn made they turned into a factional issue as far as they were concerned because they very much weaponized this and and, and the denialism of this and arguing that anybody who thought there was a problem with anti-semitism was only using it because they didn't support Jeremy Corbyn I think what I found encouraging was how this issue if you like it galvanized it galvanized solidarity across Vauxhall and I think it 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 it, it was one of the, 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 the few things, I think, in the dark days of 1718 that, that kept some of us going. And it's the realisation that Michael and other other friends of ours, in particular, and Sassoon, if Anne's listening, this is a shout out for you, who are Jewish members, many of whom were, were actual were secular Jewish members who felt much more in tune with their religion and their ethnicity, I think, in the last couple of years. But they had made that conscious decision to, to stay and not to be hounded out as they saw it. So I think that speaking being being blunt about it it's one of the things in 2018 that kept me going um as uh as because like many of us i think there was in danger of feeling complicit with some of the actions of the leadership over this issue um moving on as well then uh michael uh, before we come back to dina in your in your congratulations by the way in your recent appointment as director oh, thank you very much thank you of lfi <laughs> but could you also talk us through actually how this anti-semitism crisis affected the work of LFI and some of the, the I, mean, I know there's quite a lot of vitriol that, that the organisation was, um, mm. was on the receiving end of. Could you just talk us through that and actually how that is, how shifted perceptions as far as you, you were concerned about the, the, the place of, of the Jewish community in the country and, and the party? Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, it's, I, I, I've been director for a couple of months now, but, but working for LFI for, for, um, you know, just over four years since 2016. And it's, it's, it's been a, you know, it's been an impossible few years, you know, kind of LFI exists to, to talk about foreign policy, to talk about the Middle East, to talk about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, you know, to, to talk about the UK's relationship with Israel. And, um, you know, that, that, that is kind of our day job. That, that's what we want to do. Over the last few years, that's, that's been impossible because, you know, we, we haven't even been able to talk about whether Jews should feel welcome in the Labour Party and whether the Jewish community can, um, you know, feel comfortable voting Labour and feel comfortable about the prospect of a, of a Labour government. You know, we, we, we haven't been able to, to have those kind of nuanced and complicated discussions about the Middle East because we, there's been a more fundamental issue that, you know, the, the Labour Party became institutionally anti-Semitic. So, you know, it kind of impacted us, uh, you know, in, in every conceivable way. And, you know, what, what it meant was we, we we spent most of the last few years, you know, work, working with the Jewish community and, and our allies. 
in in fighting anti-Semitism rather, rather than having a kind of nuanced discussion about the Middle East. And you know, I kind of look look back at um, you know our, our chair for most of that period was was Joan Ryan, um, member of Parliament for Enfield North, and you know she she wasn't Jewish, but she she received the most terrible abuse because she was chair of Labour Friends of Israel and because, you know, she, she stood with a Jewish community. And, you know, it's, it, it, it kind of just, it, it showed to me how much the, the kind of the anti-Semitism we've seen on the left, the, the roots of it start with a, with a kind of hatred of Israel. Uh, you know, we, we, we've sort of referred to it as anti-Zionist anti-Semitism. Um, and it's, it's, it's a particular strand of anti-Semitism which, which you see on the left. You know, it kind of comes from this sort of hard left, kind of anti-imperialist, anti-Western worldview, um, you know that that that's that's where the, the, the kind of anti-Semitism comes from. You know, it starts from a, a hatred of Israel because they they see Israel, you know, wrongly, but they they see Israel as a kind of imperial entity, a colonial project. They see it as part of the West, and and therefore it must be it must be evil. And they they see Israel as uniquely evil. Uh, and you know, if you if you start from that that position, um, you know, it it can then you know quite easily, as 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 we've seen over the last few years, mutate into into something far more sinister. Uh, and you know the, the, the tragedy of what's happened in the in the Labour Party is is anti-Zionist anti-Semitism has you know unfortunately always existed. You know it's not a, it's not a new phenomenon. Um, but prior to to 2015 and, and Jeremy Corbyn's election, it, it was on the fringes of, of British politics. Um, and over the last five years, we we saw it move to move to the centre of British politics. Well, on that um, anti-Zionist anti-Semitism, uh, Michael, I really noticed that that was something you really drew out in the LFI statement post the report um and yes you mentioned that it's not something that's come out of nowhere in the past two years it's been developing since 2015 but why do you think that there's this real root in the party between these two this anti-israel feeling and anti-semitism and have they sort of grown at the same time where do you think it's really come from yeah, I think I think it's it's an obsession, you know. For 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 some reason, there, there are kind of elements of the left who who are utterly utterly obsessed with Israel. Um, and look, you know, I I work for Labour Friends of Israel. Every single day, I I, I try and I try and speak to people about Israel and and try and um, you know try and try and get people, especially Labour MPs, to kind of understand the issues and 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 to realise how important you know Israel is to the world and how important the Britain-Israel relationship is and um, you know how important the Middle East is to global politics. I, I think it's something people should talk about. You know, I wouldn't be doing my job probably if if, if I didn't. But it's it's the kind of the, the obsession and the, the disproportionality of it. You know, kind of, you know, you, you had CLPs where there would be emotion about Israel every single month. And, you know, over, over the last few years, you know, there's, there's been global conflicts. You know, what's happened in Syria, where, you know, millions of people have lost their homes. You know, hundreds of thousands of people have lost their lives. Uh, you know, what, what's happening in China with the Uyghurs, you know, being, being rounded up and, and put into camps. And, you know, tragically, there, there are parts of the left who, who don't seem to have much to say about those issues, but have this kind of obsession with Israel. You know, a small country of, of nine million people. You know, smaller than Wales, at its narrowest point, it's 10 miles wide. And, you know, we're the only Jewish state in the world, you know, a country that, you know, the vast majority of the world's Jews, including the UK, have, have an affinity to, you know, kind of you, you poll British Jews and, you know, upwards of, of 94% say, you know, Israel's important to them. It forms part of their Jewish identity. You know, they, they consider themselves to be Zionists. So you kind of get to a situation where, you know, the Jewish community look at it and just think, why are they so obsessed with Israel? You know, it's not it's not a huge country. The, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict isn't isn't unique in any way. It's it's not one of the biggest conflicts going on in the world. Um, it's certainly not kind of top of a global agenda. So it's kind of you, you look at it and you think, why are they so obsessed? 
And I think, unfortunately, men, many Jews come to a conclusion that the, the obsession with Israel, you know, the obsession with the world's only Jewish state has a, has a kind of sinister undertone. And that's not to say everyone who, you know, campaigns for a Palestinian cause is anti-Semitic. Of, co- of course they're not. You know, it's, it's, it's a perfectly legitimate cause and, and a cause I support. But, you know, there, there, there's an element of, of, of the debate. And as we've seen, it's, 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 it hasn't been a, a, a small element over the last few years in the Labour Party who who take a, a perfectly legitimate support for the, the Palestinian people um, and it, it mutates and it becomes something far more sinister. And, you know, I, th- I think that, that's what we've seen. Dina, uh, what Michael's just said, does that bear resemblance to actually what you've had to endure in the, in the past couple of years back up in Stockport? Um, actually, um, well, yes, to, well, to, to some extent, and I do agree with everything Michael said, I will just say that if you look at the EHRC report, if you well, the two central complaints, um, the two named um, complaints in the report, which were described as the tip of the iceberg, um, they were classic, vintage anti-Semitic tropes of things about Jews having a sort of conspiratorial nature, um, references to Jewish people as a fifth column, you know, Holocaust denial, Rothschild conspiracies, um, and Jews having allegiance to Israel above and um, beyond the UK. So, sort of classic um, um, anti-Semitic tropes. Um, Israel and Palestine wasn't mentioned, was virtually not mentioned in the report. So that's really, really interesting. And yet, when you look at the denialism um, and, and some of the anti-Semitic incidents I've encountered at CLP, like there's this one man who just Every time anything is mentioned, you know, he just starts shouting about it's all about Palestine, it's all about, but it isn't if you look at the report. Um, yesterday, um, I got into a conversation. I'm very good at not getting into conversations with people on Twitter, but I did get into one yesterday. Um, and it was from somebody who, um, actually is one of my residents, and um, he's always, 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 always posting about, um, um, Israel and Palestine and he actually posted the same article from the Guardian that I posted yesterday just with a comment about you know, the de- demolition of a Palestinian um, village and he wrote a very provocative comment to Keir Starmer saying um, well you know am I allowed to criticise this or, or am I going to be expelled from the party or something along those lines and I said to him well actually no you know legitimate criticism of the Israeli government is is fine that's not anti-Semitic look I, post- I posted the same thing um, but it's it's uh, you know, it's it's, it's about it's, it's about a culture of of anti-Semitism and classic anti-Semitic tropes. And he said to me, "Well, you know, people are very confused about um, what they can and, and can, cannot post." And you know, it's 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 very simple. You know, criticism, legitimate criticism of the Israeli government. Um, is not that's not the same as some of those anti-Semitic tropes that I mentioned. Um, but equally, you can't just post one of those conspiracy theories, stick a picture of Netanyahu in the corner or an Israeli flag, and say, "Well, this is legitimate criticism of the Israeli government," yeah. because it isn't. It's just it's just you're just redressing a vintage trope. Some of these pictures you'd see in a Holocaust museum because they come straight out of 1930s um, um, German propaganda. Um, so there is there is a difference, and if you're not sure what that difference is, well, perhaps it's time to get educated about it and to learn about it. Um, yeah. So my experiences, actually, um, just going back to your your, your question, were um, um, yeah. So you, I, you know, I have had people sort of say, "Oh, it's all about Israel and Palestine," but then they can't kind of um, they can't kind of demonstrate why. Um, and some of some of the things I've had, you know, it, it always just sort of comes. It, it always does. In the end, it will always come back to Israel and Palestine. Actually, you know, I remember somebody shouted at me to 
um, to, to get out of his front garden when I was canvassing once told me that my my grandmother we were having a perfectly reasonable conversation until he brought up um, um, what he he saw as um, um, manufactured anti-semitism and he, and he told me that, that my my holocaust survivor grandmother shouldn't have been allowed into this country because of what 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 the Jews um, are doing in Israel at the moment um <laughs> You know, the state of Israel was set up in 1948. My grandmother came here during the Second World War. You know, um, you do the calculation, but they, they you know, they, they make these um, connections. Um, there's been a lot of misogynistic anti-Semitic abuse. And like Michael said before, there's definitely a misogynistic um, um, element to all of this as well. Um, but but most of the things that I've seen and most of the things I've heard really um, come. They, they might they might be kind of dressed up as um, criticism of the Israeli government, but they, they go back to these conspiracy theories about Jews that have just been around for years and years and years. Yeah, I I, I totally agree, Dean. I, I think what 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 we've seen is for a lot of people it starts with a with an obsession with with Israel, and then as as you say, it kind of then it morphs and transforms into the kind of traditional anti-Semitic tropes, you know images that wouldn't look kind of out of place from kind of Nazi propaganda, you know, it, it, we're kind of, you know, sort of Jews ruling the world, but kind of really sort of traditional anti-Semitic tropes, it, 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 it mutates, you know, it kind of starts from a, from, a, from a disproportionate obsession with Israel, and then kind of transforms into, into something more sinister. Um, and I think actually the either definition, uh, which Labour adopted in, in 2016, I, I, I think gives a, a perfect kind of um, explainer for, for people as to uh, the, the difference between, uh, you know, kind of le- legitimate criticism of the Israeli government, as, as you say, which, which is totally fine. And, you know, we, we do it as LFI and millions of Israelis do it. Um, and, you know, think, things that cross the line, you know, uh, the either definition, it says criticism of Israel similar to that levelled against any other country cannot be regarded as anti-Semitic. You know, it's, it's really clear this isn't about stifling criticism of Israel. Even the either definition you know, doesn't say that. But, yeah. you know, it, it, it does make clear that, you know, accusing the Jews of a people or Israel of exaggerating the Holocaust, you know, that, that's, that, that could be anti-Semitic, you know, denying the Jewish people their right to self-determination. Applying double standards to Israel, you know, using the symbols and Im- images of classic anti-Semitism to characterize Israel, Israelis, you know, comparing Israeli contemporary Israeli policy to that of the Nazis or holding Jews collectively responsible for actions of the state of Israel. There's, there's actually a really clear uh, in the eye of a definition um, kind of demarcation of, of, of you know, what, what is and isn't legitimate criticism of Israel. And I think that's, that's a kind of really useful um, kind of tool for, for Labour Party members to understand, you know, actually what is and isn't acceptable when, when you're discussing the Middle East. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I mean, one of the things that, again, that really struck me over the past couple of years and has been, if you like, one of the most bone-wearying um, issues we've had to grapple with again and again and again is the extent to which um, anti-Semites or enablers of anti-Semites or party members who've been willing to turn a blind eye to anti-Semitism because it's a blown-up right-wing Zionist factional plot is the extent to which one of... What, what, are forever pushing this ball back into the court of of Jewish members in the Jewish community by saying that essentially you have to defend Israel or that essentially why are you telling me I can't say anything? And there's something here about actually whether the people are aware of it or not, there is a a deep-seated tradition potentially on the far left, but extremist politics full stop of of wanting to deny uh, the Jewish community of any self of self-agency in this matter. And again, we're listeners, we're, we're recording this on Friday. So uh, all morning I've had half an eye on CNN, marvelling at John King's ability to just sort of wrap election statistics for hours on end. But it's, it's really got me thinking. If you start thinking over the course of this week, with fingers crossed, we are potentially seeing the beginning of the end of the Trumpist regime in America. And Steve Bannon has had his radio show pulled from various um, social media sites this week. But something that the politics of Trump and Steve Bannon have in um, have an, have an affinity with some of the politics of supposed far leftist members of the Labour Party in Great Britain for the past couple of years is this anti-Semitism and the conflation of anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism as one of the cornerstones of of, of their politics. So either uh, either of you, Dean or Michael, what do you think about that, and what do you think about some of the issues with the rise of populism? over the past 10 years and anti-Semitism making such a comeback? That's a very interesting question. Um, I have been discussing this actually um, with um, um, with one American friend in particular this week. Um, I have to say, I'm not sure any of this is going anywhere. I'm, I'm really not. You know, um, it's, it's not like whatever happens, we have a landslide victory. You know, these people are not just suddenly going to go away. Um, and more importantly, their ideas and the dissemination of their ideas are not just going to go away. You know, I'm sure we'll get around to talking about social media, but but the problem is, you know, look, you, you've got the outgoing, well, hopefully the outgoing um, American president just lying, just, mm. you know, claiming victory. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the facts and figures say. It doesn't matter. You can say whatever you want and that's your truth. That's your truth. And somebody can retweet it. And these people are absolutely convinced about it. You know, people who are still denying anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, for example, haven't necessarily read the EHRC report they don't need to you know we, we, we don't need to know what what truth is I I think something has been unleashed that could outlive us I really do sorry to sound so, yeah, so pessimistic I, I, um, I, 
I agree. I think the, the genie is out out of the bottle, isn't it? You know, it's 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 not so easy to to put it back. I think both on the on the far left and the the the, the far right of, of politics, you know, on, on the extremes, there's this, this populism and this extremism, and you know, we we've seen the impact it's it's had on the on the Jewish community here, and you know, obviously the, the impact Trump's had on on minority communities in in, in the US is is just you know despicable um, and the worry is even even if you defeat the the individuals who, who are in kind of positions of leadership you know trump um you know the, the movement isn't going to disappear um you know i think one, one of the things i've i've kind of you know again touch touch word as, as we speak biden biden uh, biden is yet to be declared winner but it's assume, assuming he wins and um, you know it, it shows me the importance of winning elections you know ultimately you, a prerequisite to defeating these ideas is defeating the individuals but defeating the individuals alone isn't enough um you know a biden victory is, is huge you know having trump not in the white house is hugely significant but you know the, the, the millions of people that supported his ideas and you know the, the republican congressional uh, leaders who just sort of stood idly by you know non those people are going away I mean, ideas aren't going away, and I, you know, I kind of look at what what happened here in the UK. You know, anti-Semitism has become mainstream. You know, it's a it's a terrifying thing to say, but you know, kind of growing up, anti-Semitism wasn't in the news every single day. You know, anti-Semitism was, was something my grandparents talked about. You know, that's, that's not to say it went away. Of course, it, it never went away, but it wasn't on the news every night. And you know, the, the the real real tragedy of the last few years is the reason it became mainstream was because of the Labour Party. You know, how how did we get to a place where you know? What, what I consider one, one of the greatest forces of, you know, for social justice in, in, in the last hundred years in the UK was, was responsible for doing that. You know, I, I, I still think, you know, the kind of, the period of reflection is, is going to take a while um, and the, the damage has been done. You know, it's, it's, it's enormously encouraging that, you know, Corbyn, Corbyn is no longer leader of the Labour Party and we, we've got a leader in Keir Starmer who understands the issue and who is seriously committed to tackling it. Again, that's, that's a prerequisite. But the, the ideas are out there, and you know there's still there's still thousands of lay party members who 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 are anti-Semites and who you know believe anti-Semitic things. And even even if they're kicked out of a Labour Party as they should be, they're not going away. You know they're still going to be in British society. They're, they're not in the mainstream of British politics, and that's really important. But they haven't gone away. Absolutely. And if you just wouldn't mind indulging me for a minute, I am just going to wheel out the old cliche of my Holocaust survivor grandmother. But I think this is a really important story, which is that I remember her once telling me about how when she was a child, she came from um, Frankfurt in Germany. And on one of the uh, Jewish high holidays, she said that all their, all her family's friends and neighbours who weren't even Jewish used to pile into the synagogue because the service was so beautiful and everyone wore white and the choir was really beautiful. And so just kind of in solidarity, they would come along and join them. And I never understood how in the space of just a few years, those same neighbours were, um, you know, um, um, shopping them into the Nazis, taking over their businesses, coming into their house and saying, oh, we'll have that piece of artwork when you're gone, and, and just had completely turned. And over time, I've come to realise that those people weren't necessarily like rabid anti-Semites. It had become socially acceptable. It had become normalised. It had gone into the mainstream. And it was fine for them to just sort of, you know... It was as awful as it sounds. It was socially acceptable for them to just turn on their Jewish neighbours and just sort of, you know want want them to leave. And I think this is why so many Jewish people have been so scared. I know it's it sounds like hyperbole, but but 
a lot of people in the Jewish community will have this in their history. They will have a Holocaust survivor grandparent, or if not, they will have grandparents who themselves had parents or grandparents who came to this country um, fleeing some sort of um, violent discrimination. And it's never far from, from people's minds. And I think the fact that it is already out there and the fact that it is normalised to some people, um, you, you know, it came into my workplace last year, which, which was absolutely terrifying. You know, I had about a week after the general election, I had I had a colleague uh, screaming in my face that, that, that Labour had lost the general election because of the Jews. The Jews are liars. Um, the Jews want, wanted to smear Corbyn. Somebody who's never met another Jew in her life, somebody who hasn't, you know, who is not um, an, an active member but not even a member of the Labour Party, actually. But it was normal for her to say that. It was acceptable because it was she 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 just sort of seen it in her in her social bubble. That's what's so terrifying. Yeah, I think as 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 you say, Dino, none none of this is ancient history. You know, it's your it's, it's your grandparents. You know, it's 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 kind of in living memory. You know, about the Holocaust survivors today who were, who were in the camps and 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 who were, who were victims of this. You know, it's kind of it's it's not something that happened thousands of years ago. And I think that's the thing for. For, for people who aren't Jewish, it's 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 understanding the, the impact that has on on a community. You know, we've been living memory less than a hundred years ago. You know, a, a major Western European country. You know, Germany it was one of the most civilized nations on earth. You know, went about systematically trying to eliminate the world's Jewish population. You know, that 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 happened not that long ago, um, and you know, it's just. That, that that has a lasting impact, and I think the 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 lesson we have to take from the history, and you know, Holocaust education is, you know, how how is that allowed to happen? And a large part of the answer is because good people stayed silent. You know, it's what's what's the famous quote? You know, all, all that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to say nothing. And I think if if we can if we can take a lesson from the experiences we've had in the Labour Party, is that you know, allies have to speak up and, you know, it's sometimes really difficult, especially when it's, you know, within your political party and within your home. But actually, if, if people stay silent, that's that's when evil triumphs. And I think it's the case with anti-Semitism and Labour Party and I think it's the case with how, how you fight Trump and it's how, how you fight populism. And, um, you know, there's, 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 there's no place for bystanders. Well, thanks to that, both of you. That's both very powerful ways of expressing this. And I think really hits nail on the head of why we have to take a stand against the populist mindset, be it left, right, or supposedly neither. Because quite frankly, the extremes on the left and the right are are meeting up. We know from the fantastic work that Marlon Solomon has done, who I know is a member of JLM yeah. up in up in the Northwest. And as oxymoronically as this might sound, listeners, if you've never come across Marlon before, Marlon does this most fantastic stand-up routine about anti-Semitism and conspiratorialism and the extent to which in the past 30 years, the internet and the rise of fringe groups in both the left and the right have begun to congeal together on this issue. And then when you start looking at some of the more, the more crazy um, conspiracy theories uh, doing the rounds out there, they unite both the left and the right. And unfortunately, anti-Semitic tropes end up being at the heart of very many of these conspiracy conspiracy theories. And... Um, Really, Marlon's work is a rallying call for why any of us who claim to be progressive or pluralistic have to make a stand and stand together to uh, to stamp this out. Absolutely. Thank you, yeah. Nina, for um, sharing that story as well. That was really powerful um, and, yeah, really important to hear your story and your family story. Um, Michael, I think earlier you alluded to sort of the changing leadership of the party, and I don't think we can leave today without talking about... Um, Corbyn suspension 
uh, and the lack of leadership, which was highlighted in the report. Um, are there any sort of key moments where you feel that the leadership really failed Jewish communities um, or is it more of a gradual progression? Um, where do you, do you sort of feel like Jewish people and Jewish members sort of lost trust in leadership? I think I think there were a number of moments. I think it was it was consistent over over the kind of four or five years. I mean, I think the the, the fundamental point is is this does come down to to leadership, um, and fundamentally the the reason Corbyn couldn't even kind of begin to to tackle a problem was because he he couldn't under he couldn't understand it, he couldn't comprehend it. You know, we we've just had a, a discussion about anti-Semitism on the left. You know, I, I, I don't I don't think Jeremy Corbyn believes there's such a thing as left-wing anti-Semitism. Uh, you know, in the, the, the statements and the kind of the clips he, he gave uh, after the HRC report, you know, he he referred to to, to those who think they are on the left um, who, who who commit acts of anti-Semitism. To, to him, anti-Semitism and racism is is something which only ever appears on the right of a political spectrum. He can't he can't begin to understand that people on the left, you know, people who you know he considers to be kind of allies and, and good comrades, he he can't begin to understand how how they could possibly possibly be racist. You know, he couldn't. There, there was a lack of leadership because he didn't understand. And I think what what we what we've already seen, you know, in a, in a kind of six months or so since since Keir took over, is the difference that leadership can make. Um, you know, I think Keir's response to the HRC report was was spot on. You know, he 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 apologised to a community once again. Uh, you know, he understands the problem and he he's showing the leadership. You know, he's um he he's. He's shown, and I think the you know the Jewish community want want to work with Labour on this. You know, the reason they couldn't over the last few years was because there, there was no leadership, and there was no leadership because Corbyn didn't understand it. And you know what 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 we've seen with with Keir coming in is he understands the problem, um, and actually a, a bit of leadership goes a tremendously long way. Uh, and and fundamentally, this this was an issue of leadership. You know, there's there's, there's a reason you know Labour never had a huge anti-Semitism problem under under any leader. You know, it's 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 both political and, and leadership. It's 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 political in that you know, kind of you know, the, the doors are open to these people in 2015. People who who never were previously part of a Labour party, they they were kind of welcomed in. And it's it's uh, it's it's leadership in that you know, Corbyn wasn't able to 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 recognise uh, you know the, the kind of faults on his own side. You know, he 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 couldn't comprehend kind of the idea of left wing anti semitism. He he saw these people as his comrades. So, Dean, do you have anything to add? to that. I mean, JLM, albeit narrowly, endorsed um, Lisa Nandy in, in the leadership campaign on this year. I mean, by looking at the actions in the last week alone and, and, and Keir's wholehearted uh, endorsement of the EHRC report's uh, findings and recommendations, I think, do you trust Keir Starmer and his team to actually sort this one out? Um, look, I hope so. You know, they've made all the right noises. They said they've, you know, they've they've said all the right things. But I think, as I said before, it's going to take a long time to really rebuild that trust. We need to see something happen. And I think, um, you know, we, we obviously need. We, we've been calling for an independent um, complaints procedure that's fully functional. Um, you know, that's, that's the material thing that we've been asking for. But actually, I think that the biggest hurdle is changing the culture of the party. That's not going to happen overnight. Um, but I, I think that that is what needs to happen if we are going to um, really eradicate this problem. Yeah, I think one of the key takeaways from the report for me was about training. And I think that's really important to this change in culture. Um, and it talks about sort of the practical training that uh, the Labour Party needs to introduce. And I know that Labour Party needs to outline a plan by the 10th of December, uh, ready to implement. And um, they've said that they're going to 
work with Jewish stakeholders, so JLM and other organisations. Um, what does this training, um, both of you, need to look like? Uh, and can the Labour Party learn from other organisations that are really good at this and um, training side of um, education? It's a very interesting question. And actually, as a teacher, um, over the last few months, I've had many, many conversations with parents of school children in both my capacity as a teacher and as a counsellor, actually. And what I've been trying to explain to people is that learning doesn't just take place because somebody is standing in front of you with a PowerPoint presentation, um, throwing information at you. Um, you there needs to be some you need to explore it for yourself. Um um, you know, and then there needs to be some kind of assessment so that you know that learning has taken place. So it's not just going to be enough just to kind of get up and 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 deliver um, um, and deliver a PowerPoint presentation, and for that CLP to just kind of tick the box, right? Okay, well we've had JLM in to deliver the training, now we're okay. Because actually, I delivered the training to my own CLP, and the key people who really needed to learn things and have a light bulb moment didn't. You know, and are still denying that there's a problem. So, we I think we need to be careful how we do it. I don't really know what 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 the answer is. You know, as I said, this has to be whatever training is a really really important part um, of tackling the problem. But there also has to be the open the openness, um, the willing to learn, and the humility to accept that. Well, perhaps we have all got things to learn from this. We all have, um, and. Um, without that it's going to be very difficult for training to be effective so I think all these things need to happen alongside each other yeah I I, I completely agree I've, I've, I think I think training is a is essential but train training alone isn't enough and I think the, the other thing as well is that you know there, there are some people unfortunately who who are beyond training you know kind of Chris, Chris Williamson could be sent on the, the best anti-semitism training course in the world um, and I, I don't think he's going to be redeemed. Um, you know, it's kind of a, well, there are some people who's, um, you know, the, the, the things they've done or the, the kind of anti-Semitism they've, they've committed um, goes goes beyond training. You know, most people need to be kicked out. You know, that, that's just that, that, that that's the bottom line. But um, I, I think there are other people who, who just don't understand kind of modern anti-Semitism, particularly how, how it kind of manifests itself on, on the left. And that, that's where I think kind of anti-Semitism training can come in. I think you know, particularly the HRC report was, was very specific about training for for those who who are actually dealing with a complaint. You know that that, that that's an absolutely essential. It's a, it's a travesty that that wasn't in place. Um, you know to to start with. But I, I think you know it's it, it's about the culture, as 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 everyone said. You know it's 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 got to go more widely. And it's you know I, I think the, the the baseline is you know how 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 to not be anti-Semitic. You know that that is that's that is crucial. But you know kind of. What, what we at LFI are, are looking at is, is actually, you know, how, how do we go beyond that? You know, how, how do we make sure that, you know, discussions about the Middle East and about Israel-Palestine are, are kind of conducted in a, in a balanced and fair and reasonable way? You know, there's lots of lots of discussion about, you know, what, what, what does what's political education and, and what should political education in Malay look like? You know, political education isn't just having having a speaker who's incredibly one-sided to, to come in and kind of rant and rave for an hour and then ticking the political education box. You know, kind of the idea of training and political education, it's, it's got to be something which has got to be kind of wholesale and, and balanced. And, you know, it's it, it really requires kind of resource and, and focus from the party. You know, it shouldn't just be up to, to groups like JLM and, and LFI and the, the Jewish communal groups to, to do this. You know, it's, it's something where the, the party's really got to invest in. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that will happen. Moving on then to this issue of social social media, and again, it's 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 what we can extrapolate or what we can compare with what's going on in the US at the moment. Overnight, um, 
Twitter have finally started um, calling Donald Trump out for the for, for the rampant lying on his social uh, media. Hallelujah. Yeah, I know. Um, do you think it's actually time that do, do you think we might be getting to a point where the social media platforms over here take this much more seriously as well? Because obviously, social media is very difficult to police. Um, I, I know now that the EHRC has given us definitions of, of actually who is what party members can, can 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 rightly be considered to be talking on behalf of the party. Um, but I, obviously, we have a, a, a long way to go. I mean, where do we go? Do you think with social media and, and political uh, political engagement and, and tackling anti-Semitism online? It's a bit of a, a bit, bit of a meaty question at the end of the conversation. But um, Dina, what do you think? Honestly, I have no idea. I and again, this might you know this might just be something that that is impossible to rein in. I don't know. Um, and part of the problem also is the algorithms as well, which will just kind of throw out. Um, the same information to feed whatever your perception now is you know people don't have to read anything anymore do research anymore they just kind of blindly retweet something that somebody they follow has said and that becomes their researched opinion and I think it's a massive massive problem um I I, I just I don't know what the answer is Michael God, yeah. I mean, it, look, it's, it's 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 a huge issue, isn't it? Um, I I think it's incredibly complicated. I think, mean, you know, kind of starting to 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 look at the kind of issue from a from a Labour Party perspective. You know, the kind of EHRC was was really clear. You know, there, there was a period of time where the, the Labour Party had a had a policy um, of not investigating um, allegations of anti-Semitism when it was just an individual who who had liked something or shared something without comment. Um, you know, which was just a kind of madness. You know, you you could retweet someone saying, you know, the, the, the Rothschild lizards, um, you know, are, are drinking blood and ruling the world, and you know, based on Malay party policy, that that wouldn't have been anti-Semitic. So I, I think you know, there's 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 an issue in terms of, uh, you know, the impact social media had on had on Labour and semitism You know, thank, thankfully, the Malay party has now said, uh, you know, that that policy led to extremely poor decisions made on anti-Semitism cases, and it no longer exists. I, I think that's good from a from a Labour party perspective, but you know, this this is clearly a, a, a far bigger issue than just the Labour party, and, and a far bigger issue than anti-Semitism. I I personally think that the social media com- companies have got to do a lot more, and I think if they're if they're not willing to do more, I think governments have got to act. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's really welcome to, to see Twitter kind of labelling, um, you know, Donald Trump's misinformation as misinformation and you know, making it much harder for people to spread it. You know, we kind of look back at what happened in, in 2016, both from a, a kind of referendum and the, the US election. And, you know, social media companies became vehicles for, for misinformation. And, you know, this, this idea that, uh, you know, they're, they're not publishers, they're not responsible for the content. You know that that doesn't really fly when your platform allows misinformation to be spread to millions of people in in minutes. Uh, and you know I, I think they've got a far greater responsibility. And as I say, it's good to see Twitter acting. But you know if if, if other social media companies don't act as well, I, I think governments have got to step in. And I know there's a kind of big debate in the UK around kind of online harms and what legislation might look like. And I, I think it's something governments have got to got to act on. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. So training in social media to key things that needs to happen in the party but also wider in terms of Twitter and other platforms um but following the report just to wrap up is there one key practical thing that you really want to see the Labour Party do and to be in that plan that they're going to put out on the 10th of December 
Um, Michael, do you want to go first? It, it was hard to think of a practical thing because I think so so much of a, of a practical stuff. I think they've they've got to do. You know, it's kind of I think it was so damning about the HRC is you know this, this is legally enforceable. Um, so I think you know all the things about independent independent disciplinary processes and uh, you know training for for people handling the complaints. You know that that has absolutely got to happen. Um, so I think the, the practical thing I, I would suggest, which isn't so much kind of in in response to the HRC report, but kind of you know speaks speaks to you know what, what I was saying earlier on about this kind of obsession with Israel. You know, we 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 we've got to we've got to end this obsession with Israel on the left uh, because it, it drives so much of anti-Semitism. And even when it's not driving, you know, anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, you know, kind of constantly discussing Israel, you know, motions about Israel or Zionism every single month. You know, that, that makes Jews feel incredibly uncomfortable and incredibly unwelcome at their at their CLP meetings. I think I think there's 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 got to be action to to kind of end this this disproportionate obsession. And Dina, um, well, I would say from a practical point of view, uh, there needs to be an independent um, complaints procedure that's properly functional. Good, thanks for that. And just to reaffirm, obviously, where we're still in the middle of the, or not quite in the middle anymore, of the NEC elections, and um, an independent complaints process is something that all the Labour Swing candidates are, are are fully supportive of. So I'm, I'm I'm glad we're chiming on that one. Last one then, and, and a quick little hopefully happy question for you to answer at the end and without wanting to infringe on Ed Miliband's uh, trademark too much uh, from each of you can I have one reason to be cheerful for the Labour Party and the cause of progressive politics uh, in November 2020 so Michael we'll start with you and Dina finish off with you. Uh, so the thing that is currently giving me cheer again you know saying saying this whilst the the votes are still being counted but you know it it, it looks like Joe Biden's going to win and I think you know that that is tremendous cheer for 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 me as um you know, for, for me as a progressive, but also just for for me who who doesn't want to see a president in the White House who uh, you know causes tremendous instability and is inciting hatred against uh, minorities and doesn't seem to have any respect for the rule of law and you know all, all the reasons we 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 dislike Trump and um, you know that, that that in itself is a is a huge huge positive but actually I've, I think you know speaking as a as a progressive you know I've, I think Biden shows us in the UK what what a path to victory might look like you know he he's managed to to win back the blue wall. Um, and you know he he's done it by by talking about issues people care about and and by by fighting re-election from the centre ground and he he's shown that it's possible within four years to to win back disillusioned voters um, and you know if, if that doesn't give us cheer here here in the UK I, I don't know what will absolutely I would say. Um, in the roller coaster that's been the last week, you know, starting with the HRC report coming out, um, the, the 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 people who have you, you know friends and comrades who are not Jewish, um, and those who are as well, of course, but who who have who have really um, stood up over this issue and been very very vocal and gone through journeys themselves sometimes to do that have just given me so much hope. And by extension, so much support, and it's it's they haven't been they just haven't been innocent bystanders, but they've they've taken a fair amount of abuse themselves just to kind of stand up for anti-Semitism, and that just gives me hope. You know, we you know racism is racism is racism is all discrimination, um, and we need to stand up for others as well. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I... 
I, I completely agree. I've, I've, I think we, we've, we've really got to recognise those kind of non, non-Jewish um, Labour members who, who stood with us over, over, over the last few years. You know, they, they, they didn't have to, but they, they chose to. And, um, you know, that, that, that just made the, the task so much, so much easier for the Jewish community and, and for Jewish members. And I'd, I'd particularly like to say thank you to Progress. You know, I, I think I, I, I can't think of, a, of another organisation, maybe Labour First, who, who has kind of been more... Um, you know, un- unequivocal in, in standing with the Jewish community and standing with Jewish members over, over the last few years. You know, it's, it's been you know a tremendous source of support, knowing that Progress is always there to, to speak out against anti-Semitism. So I'd, I'd just like to say a personal thank you to Progress. Well, thank you very much. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll admit here, it was one of the traditions I was proudest to take on board and continue when I took over last year. And it was one of the reasons why I wanted this job, so we could try and finish this off properly and thankfully hopefully fingers crossed we're on we're on the road to sorting it out so thank you very much both of you to dina um to michael for taking part today but i think more importantly thanks very much for sticking with it uh, and we're sticking with us you've been an inspiration so cheers uh, long may long may you stay comrades in the labor party thank you thank you very much you've enjoyed listening to what Michael and Dina have had to say about the report. It's been an incredibly painful time for many Jewish members of the party, but hopefully we can look forward to the report being implemented by Keir and his team. This week, the MVP, the most valuable progressive, is Sir Ben Helfgott, OBE. In October, Sir Ben was awarded the Pride of Britain Lifetime Achievement Award. Born in pre-war Poland, Sir Ben survived the Holocaust and arrived in Britain aged 15. He was part of the hundreds of young people that were brought to Britain under a Labour government, who became known as the Boys. He became an Olympic weightlifting champion for Britain before becoming known for the fantastic work he has done on Holocaust education, including getting the Holocaust Memorial Day nationally recognised on the 27th of January every year. With Sir Ben's award timely coinciding with the report, we thought it was only fitting to recognise his achievements I would like to encourage our listeners to watch the 2016 tribute to Sir Ben in his very own This Is Your Life, which can be found on YouTube. His life is one of vibrancy and joy, as well as great tragedy. And this show really depicts this with lots of singing and dancing. So thank you for listening to the Progressive Britain podcast and hope to see you soon.